Amen. Good singing. All right. Well, another good song. We'll sing and shout the victory. I don't think that we'll be able to contain our shouts and excitement when we see Jesus. It's going to be an awesome thing. We're in the book of Luke tonight, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. So Luke chapter 18 is where we are going to be tonight. The book of Luke and chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. We're going to begin reading in verse number 9 tonight. So Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse number 9. And once you find it, if you'd go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word tonight. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse number 9. The word of God says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You know, there's a good phrase right there and a good lesson uh, for Christians. Um, They trusted in themselves, but that wasn't the only thing wrong with them. Uh, They despised others. The Bible says in verse number 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that once again you would help us, Lord, to learn from your word tonight, even though this is a very familiar portion of scripture, probably read multiple times by multiple multiple people here. But Lord God, you always have something new for us. And Lord, as uh, was mentioned in the adult Sunday school class this morning, Lord, we ought to see people as you see people. And Lord, that would determine how we deal with them. And Father God, we pray that you would give us your vision tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. The message I want to preach tonight is titled, The Tortoise and the Hare. You know, we all know the story of the tortoise and the hare. We all read it, or we had it read to us when we were young. Maybe they don't read that story anymore, but it goes like this. The tortoise and the hare challenged each other to a race. And of course, uh, uh, for those of you who do not know what a hare is, that's a rabbit. And a tortoise is a turtle. And uh, I got to help the, you know, um, I probably didn't know either. Us, us, uh, those of us who went to public schools probably don't know the difference between tortoise and the hare. But nonetheless, uh, just, to, uh, just to educate you a little bit, a tortoise doesn't run very fast. A rabbit, on the other hand, is extremely fast. 
Well, as the buildup came for the race, the rabbit wasn't even preparing for it. He figured all he had to do is show up and he was going to win the race. Well, if you know the story, you know that he became so arrogant and he wasted so much time that the one who worked the hardest, and that was the tortoise, actually ended up winning the race. Now, if you would have asked anyone prior to it, boy, here's a tortoise and here's a hare, we're going to have them race, everyone would have said, well, the hare is going to win. It's a foregone conclusion. The odds in Vegas would be a million to one in favor of the hare. But a funny thing happened on the way to the finish line. As everyone knows, the hare proved the scripture, which says, everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In our scripture this evening, God's trying to teach us exactly that. People who lift themselves up are going to be surprised, and people who allow themselves to be humble are going to be lifted up. I once heard a preacher say that it's not so much the people that will be in heaven that's going to surprise us, it's the people who won't be there that are going to surprise us. And if you were to take these two individuals right here, everyone would have said, well, the Pharisee is the one that's going to be accepted by God. But as far as salvation is concerned, God does not work on a merit system. If he did, we would all be in a world of hurt because the Bible, which is God's standard, informs us that we all fall short, that there is none. There's none of us that, uh, that meet God's standard. Much of the world is going to be surprised when they are not admitted into heaven. When they stand before God and, and, and God tells them and God opens the books and God shows them their works and then God shows them that, they were not, uh, that they're not written in the, the book of life, many people are going to be surprised. As a matter of fact, Jesus kind of paints the scene there in Matthew chapter 7 where he says that there will be many in that day who say, Lord, Lord, huh, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works? And Jesus says, I'm going to have to say to many who are surprised, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Many of these will have been faithful church members. Others will have been religious leaders and zealous for their various faiths. And others yet will have been great helpers in society, even sacrificing for their fellow man. There's only one way to get to heaven. And it starts by realizing that no one deserves to go to heaven. Which is why when we sing these songs, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Because it will be at that point that we realize, wow, this is much greater than I ever expected, and I truly do not deserve to be here. And when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory, because I believe we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to realize we don't deserve the sacrifice. Of course, I know we already realize that. You have to realize that to be saved. But I think that uh, a window is going to be completely open to us. And we're going to realize it like no other time. 
wow, I am in this incredible place and I am with this incredible God and he paved the way for me to get here and I'm so undeserving. And as I said, I think we truly will sing and shout the victory and praises to God. And as we look at our um, illustration this evening, as I said, there's only one way to get to heaven, and it starts by realizing that none of us deserve to be there. In our parable tonight, we have two individuals who are trying to get God's attention. Or should I say this, we have one individual who thinks he already has God's attention and one individual who desperately wants God's attention. One is like the hare, and he believes that God's attention is a foregone conclusion. As they both walk into the temple, one walks in saying, I've got this. The other walks in wondering if God's even going to acknowledge him. One is like the hare, and one is like the tortoise who knows that certain things are going to have to happen in order for him to be able to claim the desired prize, and none of those things are in his power. And therefore, as he walks in, the Bible says that he stood afar off and would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I want us to look at two things tonight. First of all, these characters, and then I want us to look at their characteristics, and then real quickly we'll look at the conclusion. But first, let's look at the characters in our story tonight. The first character is a Pharisee. Now, you and I, we've read the Bible enough that we know the Pharisees are actually the bad guys. But if you lived in that day in which Jesus lived and walked and ministered, you would understand that to everyone, they were the good guys. They were the religious guys. They were the, uh, uh, they were the ones who knew the scriptures. They were the ones who were zealous for God. As a matter of fact, Paul would describe it this way that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So it wasn't that they weren't zealous, and it wasn't that they, uh, that they w- did not work hard. It wasn't that they were uh, obviously uh, criminals or crooks or sinners. My, they were on the outside, very polished very religious. As a matter of fact, the very name Pharisee means separatist. So they were they even lived a separated life from the world. They had the most power, they had the most respect in their own eyes and in the eyes of everyone else. They had achieved the ultimate holiness and all of its society was aiming for them. Why, a Jew wouldn't dare question a Pharisee. Even Christ said to obey them because of their position of leadership. In Matthew chapter 23 and in verse number 2, Jesus said that the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. 
So Jesus said, do what they tell you to do. They're in a position of power. They're in a position of authority. You need to respect Moses' seat. You need to respect their position. Jesus would go on to say, do what they say, not necessarily what they do. But this was the Pharisee. The Pharisee who was an upright citizen. The Pharisee who obeyed the law. The Pharisee who would not get into trouble. The Pharisee who knew much of the Old Testament by heart. The Pharisee who was very smart. And then there was the publican. The publican was the bad guy. The Pharisee was the holiest and most loved. The publican was the lowest and most hated. They considered to be not only they were considered to be not only sinners, but traitors to their own nation and their own people. They would go to their own people and they would collect taxes for the Roman government. And then they would inflate those taxes so that they themselves could live a very good, wealthy life. As a matter of fact, we read about some of them, people like uh, Levi and, and people like Zacchaeus, who the Bible says was an extremely wealthy man. Well, it took really, it took a, a crooked character to want to become a publican. As a matter of fact, publicans were extortioners. And it was known, but it was allowed because it was allowed under the Roman government. They would steal from their own people in the name of the government. Why Jesus was even questioned when he dared eat with them. In Matthew chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 11, the Bible says that when the Pharisees saw it, saw what? When the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with publicans, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? This would be a very hard question for them to answer. Why, the disciples even knew that the Pharisees were separatists and that the Pharisees uh, were authoritarian and that the Pharisees were religious. And when these religious uh, individuals would come to the disciples and say, why do you follow him? Look, he's eating with traitors and sinners. Their name was associated with sinners. The name publican. As a matter of fact, Matthew, take your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. Keep it here in Luke. But Matthew, I want us to look at a few scriptures here. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And verse number 28. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 28. Jesus talking here, and he says this, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second, and he said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not, or he didn't go. 
Now whither of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. Well, I, I didn't want to get into that whole illustration there, but I just wanted to uh, paint the picture so you can understand uh, who the publicans, who even, even Jesus would put the publicans in the same breath as harlots or hookers, if you will, uh, fornicators, adulterers. Um, that is what, that, that was what they were considered. They were, truly were the bad guys. They truly were the sinners. They were vile. And so you had the Pharisee. You had the publican. That's the character of the, the, the individuals. The, the, or those are the characteristics. That's the, that's the individuals that are in the illustration here. You couldn't have one further from the other, one that would never miss a, a, a service and, and another that would never step foot into a service. And Jesus says, but on this one day, these two went into a temple. And they went into the temple, and who do you think God actually heard? Well, now let's look at their characteristics. Looking at the characteristics of the Pharisee, the Pharisee had some strange characteristics. As I said, they were separatists, but they weren't separatists for the right reason. They were separatists to be noticed. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 16. Matthew chapter 6, verse, well, actually, let's back up because there's so much here. Matthew chapter 6, and let's go to, uh, to verse number 4. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 4. Jesus said that thine alms be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. He says, when thou prayest, Matthew 6, verse number 5 now, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask them. Now let's skip down. We can see that these are individuals that like to be noticed. Verse number 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. Hypocrite, by the way, 
in Jesus' vernacular, was another word for the Pharisees. We understand that when Jesus told the disciples to beware the leaven of the Pharisees, and they didn't understand, what's wrong with, what do you mean, the bread? And he says, no, no the, the, the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. And this is one of the things Jesus was constantly calling them, hypocrites, uh, because they would, uh, they would preach one thing and in secret they would do something else. And as they would pray for all the world to see, they weren't literally praying for God to answer prayers. They were praying to be noticed. And their prayers were lengthy, not because they were so spiritual, but because they thought if they could make their prayers lengthy using vain repetition, that God would honor their prayers. In verse number 16, we see what they did when they fasted. Jesus said, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. So let's stop right there. Everything they did, they did to be noticed. Where would they pray? In the markets out where everybody could see them. They would pray for all the world to see. It's as if they would just be where there's a huge crowd and say, oh, would you just, uh, could you just hold on? Because I need to pray. And they would stand up there for all the world to see. And they would begin to pray. And the crowd would say, my, there's a holy man. And Jesus says, that's not a holy man, that's a hypocrite. And then, as they would give their alms, why, they would snap it for all the world to see. And people would say, wow, there's a sacrificial giver. And Jesus would say, that's not a sacrificial giver. That's someone who's giving for all the world to see. And then when they would fast, I don't know if they put makeup on or what, but verse number 16, Jesus says that they would make a sad countenance. So it would be a big show. Oh my, Pharisee Joe, what's wrong with you today? Oh, I got to tell you, I'm starving to death. Well, Father, well, well, Pharisee Joe, why are you starving to death? Well, I haven't eaten for 20 minutes. I'm fasting, you see. Our society has a lot of problems. Jesus said, don't be like that. Ever know people that have to exaggerate everything? Oh, my. And you never know if they're really dying because they're always dying. There's some people that every time they're sick, oh, it's the sickest I've ever been. You mean more than last time? Because last time you were on your deathbed. People that exaggerate everything. And yet Jesus said, listen, when you fast, you don't have to announce it to the world. Don't put on your dark makeup and don't wear your uh, your <laughs> don't wear your um, 
fasting clothes. You know, the big bulky ones that make it look like you actually lost weight. Then the Bible says this, they disfigure their faces. I'm not a good enough actor. I don't even know how you do that. But they disfigured their faces that they may appear unto men to fast, to make it look as if 20 minutes has been 20 days. Oh, Pharisee Joe, you're so spiritual. Can I say that people who truly are spiritual do not want credit for being spiritual? Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So you know what their reward would be? Oh, Pharisee Joe, I wish I could be like you. You're so dedicated. Jesus said that's the only reward they're going to get because they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're hypocrites. Verse number 17 of Matthew chapter 6. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face. In other words, don't go a week without taking a shower. And when people wonder, oh, what is wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with him? You don't understand. I've been fasting. I, I mean, I try. No, the Lord says, wash your face. Anoint your head. Don't look like you're fasting. Fasting is supposed to be between you and the Lord. It's a spiritual thing, like everything else that we do. Look at what he says in verse number um, Verse number one of Matthew chapter six. This is how he starts this chapter off. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward but when thou doest thine alms let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth in other words god honors sincere giving and sincere giving doesn't brag about how much they've given doesn't brag about how 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 much that they have done the Pharisees loved recognition for their good deeds. Pharisees built themselves up by putting others down. Listen to the prayer of this Pharisee. As a matter of fact, Jesus hit it right on the head. When he said in Luke chapter 18, verse number 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. It's so easy to fall into that trap of despising others. You know, Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them. He said that they were as sheep having no shepherd. But sometimes as Christians, we have a hard time with that. And we have a hard time separating the sin from the sinner. Verse number 10. These two men went up into the temple to pray, 
the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. That's verse number 11. As the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Sometimes these are the conversations of Baptists. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And then begins to call him names. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. Or even as this publican. How often do we get caught in name calling? Because we think we're justified. And why are we justified? Because we're righteous. And they're sinners. We need to be careful that we don't get into this act of despising others because we need to understand that without the blood of Jesus Christ, none of us are likable. Not a single one of us. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, and you can fill in the blank, any name you want to call it, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Without the blood of Christ, there's not a one of us here who's likable. Thank the Lord for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But these build themselves up and they put others down. Instead of, Lord, this poor individual needs you. Instead, he, he begins his name calling. And we've got all kinds of names for all kinds of sinners. And you don't need me to mention them from the pulpit. You know what they are. And we're justified in using them because we think we're righteous. And they're sinners. Vile sinners. You understand that all sin is vile. So is name calling. And so he begins to Build himself up by putting these others down. His idea of holiness is to compare himself to others. You know, we can all look pretty good depending on who we're comparing ourselves with. Even prisoners in penitentiaries can look pretty good if they're comparing themselves to other prisoners in penitentiaries. Some of them don't believe they, that they deserve to be there because they're not as bad as the guy in the cell block next to theirs. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The only standard that we're to compare ourselves with is this standard right here, and we all fall far short. Paul pretty much said, I could, I could care less what others think of me or how others judge me. He said, I judge not mine own self. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. With me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Now, Paul at one time was a Pharisee and thought he was doing pretty well. 
until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he called all of his religious works dung. As good as dung, he said. And so that's the that's the Pharisee, his true character. Now, when we looked at, uh, or his true characteristics, when we looked at him as a character, man, he appeared to be the good guy. But when we looked at him as God looks at him on the inside, my, we can see the problem there. Let's look at the publican. The publican, knowing his unworthy, sinful condition, desires no exposure. The Pharisee wants everyone to look at him. The publican wanted no one to look at him. As a matter of fact, in verse number 13, the Bible says the publican stood afar off. So the Pharisee stood in the midst, as he always did, right in the middle where everyone could see, praying out loud where everyone could hear. I want to be noticed. This is me. This is who I am. Everyone should want to be like me, not like this publican who can't even come out of the corner. And so the publican went and he hood or he hid and and he stood afar off. He wouldn't even lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Somehow, he realized that he's unworthy and therefore privileged just to be in the house of God. Man, I don't even deserve to be here. Oh, that we would all remember when we come into the house of God, none of us deserve to be here. Thank God for the invitation. Thank the Lord that that uh, his righteousness allows us to become righteous so that we can be in his presence. Had the publican been asked at that moment to sweep the floor, he'd have, he'd have swept the floor. Had he been asked at that moment to clean the bathroom, he would have considered it an honor to go and clean the bathroom. You mean I can stay? Yes, you can stay. We got some work for you to do, however. Would you mind doing it? At this moment, I believe the publican would have done anything inside of the house of God. It was an honor. It was a privilege to be there. And if anyone would have come to him and said, listen, Mr. Publican, We'd like for you to stay in the house of God. He would have said, that's a great thing. And if they would have said, we got some work for you to do, he would have said, I'll do anything. You name it. He was aware of his undeserving estate. Look, the Bible says he wouldn't even look up. He hid afar off. He wouldn't go into the midst. I don't deserve to be here. Can I ask you, do any of us deserve to be here? Sometimes when I'm reminded how God, good God is, I have to pinch myself because I get, to, I get to minister in his church. 
as we all do. What an honor, what a privilege. He was aware of how undeserving he was. And he realized because he was undeserving, there was only one solution, and that was confess his sin and beg for mercy. The Pharisees, on the other hand, as we read in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that when, when, when John came, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't repent. But this Pharisee, or this publican did. Low-life sinner. Everything that the Pharisee said about him was actually true. It didn't make it right for him to say that. But it was true, and the publican knew it. And he could not so much as look up. He hid afar off. He confessed his sin, and he begged for mercy. Well, this is where we come to the finish line. Who's the winner? The Pharisee, who lifted himself up, exalted himself, has worked hard all his life, to keep all the commandments or the publican. Jesus gives us the answer and he says in verse number 14, he says, I tell you this, that this man, the publican, he went down to his house justified. The publican left the temple a different person. He left the temple a forgiven person. He left the temple a saved person. He left the temple a righteous person. And the publican no longer came short of the glory of God. And Jesus said he went down to his house justified. Justification, what a word. Just as if he had never been a publican. Just as if he had never say, uh, never sinned. Just as if he had never been who he was, he is now a child of God. That's an amazing thing, a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Here is a man who can now look up to God. Here is a man who can now come boldly before the throne of grace and, and knock on God's office door and say, Dad, do you have time for me? And, of course, God will always open up that door and say, Son, I've always got time for you. You don't even have to knock, son. You can boldly, become, you can boldly come in, not disrespectfully, boldly, always come in. You don't even have to knock. Yet, on the other hand, this Pharisee may come to God's office door and say, sir, do you have time for me? And God will have to say to him, I don't even know who you are. This man's my son. But you, I don't know. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, this Pharisee will probably say to God, what do you mean you don't know who I am? I prophesied in your name. I have in your name done many wonderful works. I've prayed in the marketplace and proclaimed your name. I have fasted. 
Many times, as a matter of fact, he says twice in the week. I've given tithes of all that I possess. Never missed a tithe check. And God will have to say to him, you know, I just don't know who you are. You have to depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. Sad for a man who's worked so hard all his life. But for those of us who are underdogs, what a great, great illustration. You see, if God can receive a publican, he can certainly receive a Pharisee. He just has to do the same thing that the publican did. Admit he's a sinner and understand no one is deserving. See, the Pharisee may have his pride as he walks out of that temple. And many people will walk out of church with their pride. But they walk out without their soul. Because they're not willing to admit they need a savior. Here's the thing. I'm so glad God's willing to save publicans. But you know, if you read the New Testament, you also know this. God saved some Pharisees. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea. As a matter of fact, there's countless nameless ones. The Bible just tells us that there were some that believed on him. We don't know all their names. But being the Pharisee wasn't the sin. It was the pride. It was the unwillingness to admit that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, once we're saved, I think we still need to be reminded of that. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We also need to be reminded that the only thing that separates us from the sinful world is the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing that we have done. No matter how long you've been in church, maybe you've been able to lead people to Christ. But that doesn't get us to heaven. That even is by the grace of God. If you've had the opportunity to see people saved, it's by the grace of God. Everything we have is by the grace of God. Here's the problem with the Pharisee. He trusted in his own righteousness and then despised others. Let's not forget that we're saved not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it does not give us a license to despise others. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and with every eye closed. I do think that in this world that we live in today, where we allow ourselves to get caught up in choosing sides politically, playing the game where we begin to hate the other side, I think it's good for us to be reminded of the fact that Jesus died for the other side.
that Jesus has no sides. That Jesus says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 